0: Hello everybody. In case you haven't heard on the previous episode, we now have a sponsor. It's the CBD brand that I personally take and the one that's helped me tremendously in the past several months. It's Chemistry Bionaturals and it's a company that makes all natural organically grown CBD oils and topicals. Each blend of their line of products is terpene infused to bring you the targeted benefits to suit your needs. They use 99% pure pharmaceutical grade CBD isolates, and a hemp seed carrier oil to bring you omegas 3s and 6s for inflammation and overall health. All the products are also THC free. Now, besides potency, Chemistry Lab tests their products for pesticides, metals, and solvents to ensure the safety and quality of their products, which, by the way, are created in an FDA-registered facility. All these lab results are published on their website for 100% transparency of their products. What they say is in the bottle truly is what's in the bottle. Most other CBD companies aren't as transparent as Chemistry, so you can never truly know what you bought from most brands. To find out more information on CBD and terpenes, as well as shopping their products, visit their site at KempistryBioNaturals.com. Our listeners will get 15% off their first order when using the code PARANORMAL at checkout. All this info will be in the description of the episode. Welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kenny Dodson, live from the den of death still. Uh, Hopefully it's almost over. And uh, we got Patty on Skype, author Patty Wilson. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing just fine, Kenny.
0: And would you like to introduce our very, very, very special guest that we have today?
1: I would be honored. This gentleman has been a personal friend for quite a while. His name is Ryan Cavallini, and he is a, an independent filmmaker, uh, a dear friend. And I've been fascinated with your work, as you well know, for many years, along with just interesting conversations we have had. And I just wanted to share all of your work, because you've done a great deal of work in the paranormal field and in various mm-hmm. areas, not just in ghosts and hauntings. Um, and actually, particularly not in ghosts and hauntings, mostly uh, you've done a lot of Bigfoot stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did a, a feature recently that I really want to get into later. But Ryan, what got you into this?
2: Which part? There's so much. The, well, I don't, well, I well, video, oh, yeah, yeah. Hold first. on. Let's. What
1: made you decide to do um, to you know to do independent film? That's that's well, difficult.
2: Um, I've always loved filmmaking. That's always been my, in my blood. Like since I was in high school, I was shooting films. I went to college for filmmaking, but didn't end up with a degree in that field because most people at that time had to move to California to make films. And I came through that era of the Kevin Smiths, the Robert Rodriguez's, which were like, you don't need to go to film school, just make a film. So that's kind of what happened. I kind of just stayed in my little nook with my crew and we just kept making films. And over time, I mean, I made a lot of horror movies over the the years because that's what distributioners were looking for and that was my niche to kind of raise money to make an X film. So we kind of stayed in that field for quite a while until I ran into a friend who's like, you got to look into the Bigfoot phenomenon in Pennsylvania. And I really dived into it. And I really loved the documentary stuff and really kind of went in that direction, which was Mountain Devil was our first Bigfoot documentary. And we just kind of kept going after that.
1: So the friend, was that Dave?
2: Uh, It was actually, um, um, it it was Dave, Dave Rupert Mm -hmm. and, uh, Denny Kalisky, I I don't know if you know Denny, and Colleen Kalisky, they're from uh, uh, down towards Greensburg. Um, When I was reaching out to people to give me information on Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, they were the only two that would get back to me and come up and visit me. And they're like, you have Bigfoot sightings right in your own area. And I'm like, I'm not aware of this. Please show me. Let's go, you know. (laughs) So uh, uh, they really kind of took me under their wing of who I should talk to and how to kind of get into the community. And it's a big big world of big footers and a family and it it's very interesting if you, you've never been part of like the conventions that you and i go to a lot right it's like a little family right. nook isn't it
1: it it's like is a reunion
2: sometimes,
1: and, and and that's exactly what it is. It is like a family reunion. Like we get together at least um, three or four or five times a year. We bump into each other at a conference, and um, Dave Rupert and Carrie and and you and I and we always arrange in the and the seats. We all try to arrange to get our our tables close by to each other so we can visit and hang out, and then we have dinner together. And it's just a it's a big family gathering, it and is, and I love it? that part of it. I just do. Um, it's a, it is a community. It's a small, tight-knit community, and we've built long-term relationships in that community. Some of my relationships go back 20, 25 years, and I love that.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and every year we go to a convention, it just seems like more and more new people, too. It, it, the family's expanding. <laughs>
1: It is, and, and people come back year after year. We see a lot of the same faces. They're these wonderful people who show up year after year, and we anticipate them. I don't know about you, but I have folks that if I don't see them in certain areas, I'm like, I wonder if they're feeling okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Why weren't you there this year? You know, you start yep. questioning them. You are know? you okay? <laughs> but that, that's really how it kind of started with the, the Bigfoot film. The Mound Devil movie it was the first feature to get done. And then, uh, you know we didn't want to just stay in that area and we kind of moved into other type of, uh, historical documentaries. Like uh, the lost golden dense run was a big thing up towards us and the David Lewis story. So we really didn't want to just focus just on Bigfoot alone.
1: Now, you you and get Dave, stuck in that. Yeah. You and Dave kind of created your own little group, um, that does, um, a lot of looking into all this stuff. Do you want to tell them a little bit about it?
2: Sure. Um, uh, after we finished the Bigfoot film, we got into, uh, there's an old folklore story up by my area called uh, the dense run gold. And we started looking into that more and doing research and out filming. And then we kind of shelved it for a little bit. And then uh, at the time, I was working at a newspaper and the one guy comes over to me and says, well, you do all that filming and stuff. Do you know the FBI are down in the area where you were filming for the lost gold? I'm like, I'm out of here. So I zipped down to the road to uh, see what was going on. And there was FBI agents everywhere. And of course I had at the time worked for a newspaper and I had my presses passes. I'm like, well, I'm I'm with the press. I can get through. And they're like, no, you can't (laughs) keep going. (laughs) So I basically just relit that whole, I'm like, well, we have to finish this documentary now because everything was just kind of a a hot topic and everybody to this day are still talking about it. Um, uh, The the story really hasn't ended. And uh, it's a piece that uh, everyone around here knows about. And it's, it's it's great to see folklore come back to life. Like maybe this was true, maybe it wasn't true, but uh, that was like one of our favorite, one of my favorite pieces to put together was the lost gold piece. I
0: well, for the people one. who aren't uh, familiar, what what is the the tale? The tale uh, about a Civil
2: War gold that went missing up in the hills up in Benazette, uh dense run area. There's a wagon full of gold went missing. To this day, it's never been found. There's like a dozen different versions of the story of what happened, but no one seems to know, which is great because there's people that say it really happened and there's people that say it never happened. So when you have the FBI around, you you
0: kind of wonder if it might really happen. (laughs) Yeah, well, were they there because you guys had been there and they were like, oh, someone's searching the area. Do you think they came because Uh, of you or they were just happening to go anyway?
2: there was actually another group we hooked up with called finders keepers who were a treasure hunting group. Great guys. They took us on. They said, this is where we think it is. And they would metal detect the whole area with these big, um, big pieces of machinery. I can't remember the names of them. And they always went off for gold. So they did the right things as treasure hunters. You should do, uh, don't dig up the land because DCNR is really mad or stay game. You can go to jail for that stuff. So they did the right things, went to the right people. And then, uh, all of a sudden, the FBI show out out of the blue with their own equipment. And uh, for three months, they kept coming back to the same area. And uh, uh, one of the locals down there said they'd seen the FBI, and they were just happy and giggly. And they are like, oh, we got to get back those up here. And they were all excited. So, you know, when they came back for the third month with uh, their own equipment, they, they knew there was something there. Was there gold bars there? I don't personally think so, but I think they did find something on the side of that hill. I think the the other treasure hunters just kind of lucked out, really, <laughs> that they found something. Was it gold bars? I don't think so, but um, that's what makes you... And then it all disappeared. The FBI took off with everything, and uh, the treasure hunters didn't end up with anything, which they're still fighting to this day, suing the FBI and going, well, good luck. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but they're, they're, Yeah, they're still trying to get their portion of, at least the finder's fee, if there was anything. So it's a great story it really is
1: it is and you did the davy lewis story which i got to be a little part of both of those stories and davy lewis is the gentleman bandit of pa for those who don't know and Mm -hmm. um late 17 early 1800s he um plied his trade um throughout the actually throughout the whole northeast pretty much as a counterfeiter and Mm -hmm. uh, he left a lot of uh, supposedly left a lot of uh, money behind in different places, hidden and never got back to it. And um, you did a great dramatization of it. Um, actually, you. you know, reenacting things, parts of it. The the young men who did the acting were great, and um, it was a, it was fun. And one of the things that makes the story so cool is you don't try to tell us what to believe. You you right. gave both sides, in a very documentarian style, and um, you just allowed the viewer to decide. And I really enjoyed. Right. That from both of them. Well, that's
0: not typical for documentary. Typic, I mean, uh, your usual documentary film usually has a, a side. So that's very actually rare, um, but pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was but really interesting. She did both. Bay, like... <laughs> no, wait, you did find <laughs> something really in the Davy Lewis story down in that cave. I thought that was amazing.
2: We found uh, a bottle which had some money that was uh, inside of it. And, uh, we talked to uh, a local antique guy, and he, yeah, he dated it past the Davy Lewis timeframe, which is okay. But the idea that uh, this stuff is still hidden out there, there's still artifacts out there. So if Davy Lewis did hide stuff, which we still know he did, uh, it's still out there. You know, that um, he was notorious for hiding stuff in caves and. The problem was he got drunk all the time and forgot where he put it.
0: So, <laughs> well, the the one so, that um, the thing that gets me is um, when he on his deathbed when he saying he was taunting them saying that he could see his one hiding spot from his jail cell. I thought yeah. that that was always the coolest part of that whole uh, lore. A, a problem
2: with some of that stuff though is it's great stuff and I, I'm hoping it's true. But I was told by other. Uh, Treasure hunters. A lot of that stuff was made up by a local newspaper who kept the Davy Lewis stories going. Like we don't know for a fact that all his folklore stories were true. Right. They sound great. Right. They are fun. I hope they did really happen, but um, there's a, another part that says that a lot of that was made up, which we don't know.
1: Yeah, but he was a he was just a colorful character any way You look at it, he really was. And so much of our history has gotten lost that whenever. Um, Ryan picks up a piece and starts to tell the story, it gives it a whole new life that, you know, it might have been – it might become lost to everybody other mm. than people in that local area until you, you started to do the piece. So I really enjoyed the historical component as well and the fact you're keeping history alive in a wonderful way.
2: It's funny how many people didn't even know about them, especially in the uh, the Driftwood area where the shootout happened. They're like, Davy Lewis who? I'm like, you people are from the area and you don't even know about him. And then once you tell them the story, they become interested and they want to know more. But um yeah, you he's such a colorful character, you don't want to see that get lost in time. Like who and it is, it's slowly getting lost. So hopefully by doing this stuff, it'll keep it alive at least a few more years.
0: <laughs> yeah, even in this area. Until he gets lost on Amazon. Yeah, uh, even in this area, I've I've discovered that a lot of people don't know who he is. And but then if I go oh you might know him as robber lewis they go yeah. oh like half of them go oh yeah that guy so maybe yeah. that's uh maybe people just aren't aware of his real name i don't know
2: yeah yeah He's a very colorful character and i hope the stories are true though <laughs> in my heart i believe they were true
1: <laughs> well there are parts of this of it that um is documentable, like the fact that the governor came to, sh- to see him at the prison in Chambersburg, which is just, you know, not a, uh, a normal thing for the governor, a sitting governor of a state to go visit a guy who's in, in the local county jail. But right. he did. He came late at night. I mean, that stuff's actually documentable because they kept records.
2: Right. Well, his mother had huge clout. A, yeah. She got granny leathers, if, if I'm recalling it correctly. But yes. She had huge clout. Yeah, I mean, we could have done a documentary just on her. I mean, that's how much power she had, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, She knew a lot of people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which probably helped him for a long time until toward the end.
2: Yeah, yeah you can't escape a bullet.
1: <laughs> yep. But he escaped pretty much everywhere else.
2: Pretty much, pretty much. Um, uh, uh, The one story where he helps the, the lady avoid the tax guy is like one of my favorite stories that he did or if it's true i hope it's yeah. true because no one likes the tax guy
0: <laughs> yeah i
1: know that i agree that that's a phenomenal a phenomenal story and the one in bedford i know that one has it you can actually find it in the old newspapers from the time where he locked mm-hmm. up the warden and his wife and whenever they caught him months later and the warden said to him when he got him in jail why did you why did you lock us up and that one other guy but you let everybody else out and he said well that guy was a thief he stole from an old lady. He said uh, that was stealing, and he didn't see the the correlation. He just, in his head, he only took from people that could afford it. So, it wasn't the same thing as robbing an old lady who had nothing.
2: Exactly. I just wish counterfeiting wasn't easier, like like it was back then.
1: I know it everybody had like their own innovative. size and color and money, and you could just like kind of go from area to area and pawn <laughs> it off.
2: Oh, we'd be be rich, Patty. We'd be so rich.
1: We would. We would have it pawned off in each area. We'd be visiting all the time, you know, Ryan, and hanging out.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, we'd probably die from drinking, but that's all right.
1: (laughs) Well, let's not do that, honey.
2: No, no, no. You guys are
1: wild enough whenever you're sober.
2: I know. We have issues.
1: (laughs) Just a few, but I've gotten used to them through the years.
2: Yeah, we just like to have a good time. We're, you know...
1: That, and that's true. Actually, I think that's one of the most fun things about going to the conferences for me is getting to have fun with people that I can really just let my hair down and be me with. It's cool for me to say, oh, my God, did I tell you about this dead guy I was talking to the other day? And Ryan's like, oh, that's cool. you know, And he doesn't blink at all because he's used to it. Or he'll say, wait, wait, stop. Was this guy alive or dead? Oh, oh, he was dead. He's like, okay, keep going. <laughs>
2: But it's like, did you ever see that Facebook post with the guy sitting alone? He's like, when you're in a, when you're in an adult party and no one wants to talk about Bigfoot and he's sitting there yes. all sad, that's how you feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of, and I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from you and Dave and, um, from, you know, Brian and Terry and all these different wonderful people. Each of you guys have an expertise and it's amazing when you put that brain trust together. And I mean that seriously, um, how much data is floating out there and how much we, we know, learn from each other every time we visit.
2: Yeah, especially Brian and Terry. They have like the, an arsenal in their basement of just information.
1: Yes, they have um, the entire paranormal library hidden in their basement.
2: They do. Isn't that crazy?
1: And it's, amazing. <laughs> and it's weird because... You wouldn't think it because they're such kind and sweet people. They never talk about it, but they're exceedingly amazing experts. And they let everybody, they help everybody. There are international authors who show up at their door and say, can I go to your basement and take a look at the dot, your stuff on this or that? It's really cool. Yeah.
0: What are they, yeah. the Warrens?
1: <laughs> well, in their own well, way, they're the Bigfoot UFO Warrens.
0: Yeah, yeah we got to get no video one footage one of nine, that place. One.
1: Yeah, they're they're really cool. Well I wanted to um, like I said the one thing I the most recent project you've done is uh-huh. the Exorcist Prayer. This is mm-hmm. this is it. Oh, wow. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this because when we met the last time we were discussing it and I have to say, um, I was I was really impressed with the stuff. I had got my copy, my advanced copy, which I then hurried home and and Brian and Terry <laughs> and I watched that night. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, "Oh my God, that is amazing!" But um you and I had talked, and, and Brian and, and uh, excuse me, and Dave and uh, Carrie, that it was a lot more intense of a v- project than you ever anticipated. So, would you like to start out with telling me a little bit about why you chose to do something on exorcism?
2: Well, I've been telling like Dave and Carrie forever. I always wanted to do a project with exorcisms, but at a you know, independent level, that's very difficult to do. Like, who do you talk to? Where do you go? And we we just kind of floated the idea around. There was nothing like concrete. We're going to go do this. But we ran into um, Reverend Swo, who is a minister up in Erie. And he's I like, know. I've done a few exorcisms. So we headed up to Erie to interview him. And I'm like, well, that's great. We have an interview, but we don't have a film. We just have an interview. So he would be like, hey, you got to go talk to this guy. So we'd go and talk to the next one. And That guy would give us someone else, hey, you need to go talk to this guy. And it kept going and going and going to where we got demonologists. And it just was like a domino effect. And I'm like, well, now we have a film going. And my biggest thing about the whole thing was, why is that prayer so important? Why is that prayer the one they use all the time? Why is it, why is that the prayer, you know? But I wanted to tell their stories because it, it came from priests that actually it actually happened to. Uh, nine times out of ten, I don't think a priest is going to lie to me. They think well, I'm not saying there isn't one out there <laughs> going to tell those, right. but I felt, I felt more comfortable that what they were telling me was fact, other than someone telling me I was possessed at one time or had demonic things happen to me. Like, that could be, yeah, but you're telling me at a bar. I, you know, how truthful was that? So, it just kind of developed like that over time, and uh, we started shooting, like, around September, October of 2018, and it, um, was probably the worst film I've ever had to go through, like putting together. Usually the film's pretty simple. You know, you got your steps and well, I'm gonna work on this and work on that. Every step of it was absolutely horrible. And um, I've never had so many problems happen during this film, which was funny because when we were talking to the priests, they're like, this is great that you're doing this, but be very, very careful. And they tell you, you, know, all right, I understand, yeah. He's like, no, you don't understand. Be very careful what you're doing. Do what you're doing. It needs to be told. But things like this don't want to be told. And uh, I took it lightheartedly. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. And uh, as we continued making it, um, there was all kinds of problems. Uh, All three of us suffered health problems. Uh, Dave lost a finger early in the year. I was uh, life flighted in August from a tick bite. Like they said, you had one more day and you were going to be dead. And then soon after that, Carrie had some cancer problems. Along with that, we had problems with audio, video, editing, uh, artwork. Every little nick of making a movie, there was a problem, which I've never had. Um, I had problems at my house, and then Carrie and Dave had problems at their house. Um, My cat I've had forever, like five years. She's all of a sudden is flipping out in the morning, evenings at me. And she'd only do that if there's like an animal outside and uh, there was nothing outside. She would just start attacking me. Um, banging on the doors, Um, the the computers I use for editing would not render anything like we had the whole film done at one point, and it would not render out. And I've never had that problem like I, I have super duper computer for editing wouldn't render the damn thing out. So I had to get other friends to come in and piece it out one by one, like piece it out, like every 10 minutes because it wouldn't render, and then re-piece the whole damn thing again. I like It was just a ridiculous amount of nightmares for making a film. It got to the point where the one demonologist I was talking to, she sent me blessed medals and said, put them above your doors and windows. Um, she said, something's watching from outside, and they want in. And uh, that freaked me out. <laughs> My girlfriend here, she's freaked out to this day about it. She's like, no more projects like that, no more but, uh, you know, after the project was, like, locked and done, and I sent it up to uh, another filmmaker who takes care of a lot of my Amazon stuff, uh, it, it was weird. As soon as it got to him and it was on his computer, like, everything stopped. Like, it was, like, all over. Like, you could feel, like, the tension in the house was gone, and, like, just, like, the weight was off your shoulders. Like, it was, it was over. Cat went back to normal. Life went back to normal. Our health issues kind of, you know, squandered off, but... um That was the worst film I've ever had to go through. And I I can't explain it. I'm not blaming it on demons, but (laughs) I I don't know what else to point it to. Like something was bothering, was bothering that we were making the film.
1: And and some of the things that you're talking about, like the animals reactions, um, that is stuff that is classic. And it's Mm -hmm. also stuff that you can't fake. The pounding, that Mm -hmm. is a huge red flag. Because I I tell people like whenever I'm doing a demonic case, you're going to hear something pounding on the window, the door, the roof, something like that. Don't open the door and let it in. Don't look out the window, and open the window. Don't do that because it's a trick to get it to literally you inadvertently or what you're doing is you're saying I'm interested, so come in. And right. um, you know it's just I because I do every so often have to do a demonic case. I'm not a big fan of doing. It, let me tell you because it takes a little bit of you every time, and it's really. A struggle like you said. It comes into your home, it goes everywhere. It's it's all over you and it's hard to, to deal with it. And I, I know when we did the interview with Brent, with uh Chris and Charlie the other week, you could tell from that they both were impacted by our one demonic case as well. So I was uh saddened and and uh to hear that you guys had so much trouble, particularly your health trouble because that was horrendous, and it was a lot in a very short period of time.
2: Yeah, especially a tick bite. I mean, a Rocky Mountain fever is not really—it's common, but it's not. It's just coming up to Pennsylvania. So the lady, uh, when I was in the emergency room, she's like, "How'd you get here?" I said, "I drove." She said, "You shouldn't even be walking." She's like, "If we don't life play you right now, you're gonna probably be dead." And I'm like, "Oh, I just feel sick. I'm good. Give me an antibiotic. I'll be <laughs> no, no, no." <laughs> The funny part is when I got, I was you know, when I got out of the hospital and came home. I was off for a few days. I said, "You're not going to beat me." And I sat down and started editing. I said, "This is going to get finished," and kept pushing through it, pushing through, even though I was miserable and I'm like, oh, "I don't want to do this." I still pushed through it, and uh, even going back to work, pushing through it and pushing through it. And it, it, we just kept saying prayers, and uh, uh, I asked a lot of the priests that were involved to pray for us because something was going on, and uh, we got through it, you know. But I don't don't think I'll go back to that again. Yeah. (laughs) I've said all I need to say about exorcisms.
1: (laughs) So, um, why was the exorcist prayer so important? Did you get your answer?
2: Um, I never got a direct answer about it. So, this is just the the words that have been used for so many years that it's the formula that we know works. It's been tweaked. I mean, there's other prayers you can use. Yes. But this one said in Latin is the way it works. Um no one really knew a straight answer. So I thought that was really interesting that no one really knew. And a lot of them know their history pretty well, religion. So they're like, well, we really don't know why, but it's just the one that takes them off the words to get them out. I said, well, yeah. uh, I said, I, I'm good with that, I guess. I don't... <laughs>
1: well, words are My... power. People don't recognize it, but words are power. And those particular words have become very powerful over time.
2: Well, mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing I thought, too, was when the priest told me, the people saying it with faith you have to have the strong faith that you believe what you're saying if not it means nothing so i'm like okay that's more of a i I believe that more so if i was saying it and i you know put my full faith into it i could be saying anything and it still could be effective you know
1: i agree and then we talked about that at the conference and that's one of the first things i said is you got to have faith and you said that's exactly what the priest told me
2: yeah every one of them You know, what's crazy was a lot lot of stuff when we were doing interviews with uh, a few of the priests in churches, I had audio problems. Like, I know I don't usually have audio problems, but to the point where my batteries were being drained, like I went through four batteries within 10 minutes. Um, The one priest telling us a story about an exorcism he did on a little girl, and you could see the battery meters going right down. And I nudged Dave, I'm like, look at this, and you could see the meters and the priest is like, is there a problem? I said, no, no. And I just kind of switched them out and kept going. And But after we were done, I said, listen, I, I've never had battery problems like this before. And he's like, well, well they're here and they're going to, they don't want you to me to tell you what's going on. I said, we're in the church. He's like, they don't care. They don't care.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: felt that was just kind of creepy. Like they'll come right into a church and do what they need to do.
1: Yep. And that's the thing that people don't realize. And, um, you know, I've seen that before. I've seen demonically possessed people walking into a church and sitting there through half of a sermon. It's really um, a lot more intense and a lot more mysterious than even the TV shows and things can make it. And I really enjoyed watching. It was intense. It was an intense experience to watch the video you made. Um,
0: it took me a week yeah, to get the courage to watch it. Did really? I'm serious because now I know like what all this is, you know from yeah. from my experiences with patty and everything like i am like I, I don't even want <laughs> you know the tv waves in my in my house <laughs> but i i did it because we were having you on so
2: <laughs> well thank you i'm glad you trudged through it <laughs> everyone said everyone said we should have did a behind the scenes thing and said the stories and i was like no that's our own stuff and it's our personal thing and i just want to wash my hands of it and move on i mean Right. Why rock the board anymore?
0: <laughs> yeah, but none of this is unprecedented, which is the interesting part is it's it didn't just happen to you It's happened on people in the Exorcist movie set. Mm-hmm. It's happened like when Keith age Was on he talked about going to the real Exorcist house and they all had health health issues afterwards and it's it's not just unique, you know, it's like they really don't want anything to do with people who are coming into what they want to be doing
1: yeah, it's well, with, with, No, go
2: ahead, honey. Uh, even with just getting you know, a tick bite, I, I've been in the woods all, for years. I've never had a tick issue, never. But that one time this year, uh, it's just it could happen. Yeah, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I just found it very odd, just but, odd. You but know. But what were the Dematic-
0: circumstances? Yeah. Uh, what were the circumstances around the finger, though? That's what I'm really uh-huh. interested in knowing. Uh-huh.
2: My sidekick, Dave, uh, is a welding teacher, and uh, one of the machines at work, uh, he was trying to dislodge or something, and it came down smashed his finger. And um, they tried to save it, but it couldn't be saved, and they had to take it off. To me, at the time, it was an accident. We never really thought about, hey, what are we filming? We're like two and two together, yeah. we just didn't see it. Until later on, then I got sick. Then Carrie had issues. I'm like, something, something's going on. And the more times we talk, we I'd stay in contact with the priest, let them know what was going on and updates and they're like, be very careful what's going on. And and they kind of shine the light on it like more praying, more, you know, um, keep your faith of what you're doing because something's trying to stop you guys. I don't know.
0: Which but-
1: told me that it was very powerful the message you you were putting together was very Mm. powerful because they don't waste their time trying to stop people if they're not putting together something that will shine light of truth and um, goodness on their world. You need to know that. So at the end of the day, with the sacrifices that all three of you made, there is some, some good out of it because it's more than just a video. It is a light into the darkness, and you guys gave a great deal to do this.
2: Well, that was the other thing is like people might be experiencing this, not even realizing they're experiencing it. And hopefully that'll shine a light of take a look what's going around, you know, or going on in your life or, Mm um, hopefully it helps somebody out. You know, Dr. Mary wasn't trying to prove anything. It was just, um, trying to spread more information about it more than anything, you know?
0: Yeah. And you
1: did a great job. Yeah.
0: I I mean, I applaud, I really applaud your courage in the fact that you're having so many issues and you're like, I know something is trying to stop me, but, you know, screw you. (laughs) I'm going to finish it anyway. You can't get me down. And you didn't didn't allow yourself to become oppressed by all the things that were happening to you. And that's that's, you know, just shows what kind of character you have. I mean, I haven't met you until tonight, but I can (laughs) see that just by your actions, you know.
2: It's one of those things like, damn it, it will get finished. Damn it, we're pushing through this. <laughs> we spent this time and this much time and money. It's going to get done.
1: Well, you need to yeah. know that was your witness. I mean, like from having done demonic cases, we've had times when we've had to do that as well. And I came to realize that that was a witness. That was the That's where the faith came in, that mm-hmm. you were going to push through it. So even though it wasn't maybe the – the driving force in your head at that moment, but you weren't going to be stopped and you were going to finish this project. And um, it was your witness, whether you know it or not. And um, it's a a phenomenal witness. And because I know all three of you, um, you and and Dave and Carrie, I knew the caliber of human beings you are. So I'm not shocked, but I am definitely very honored to be able to tell other people about it.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you so much, I know at the end of the day when we were done with it, it, it made my faith grow more. Like every time we do an interview with Priest Dave and I would always say, I feel more enlightened in life. I feel just stretched, like the soul is stretched a little bit. So maybe that was our thing in life we had to do to stretch ourselves. I don't know. But um, it was kind of an eye-opener and a growth for all of us to go through that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny you say you had that many problems and it was so hard because, in my opinion, this is the best one that you've done. Like, yeah. I, I think Thank it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's paced extremely well, like y- it's very interesting content, like even what you did with the the tape recorders so that it wasn't just a talking voice over like nothing, you know, or random images. You actually had something to look at and it yeah. kind of pertained in it and at the same time. Um, so I, I just thought it was, um, you know, the best thing you've done by far. Thank you. Not of the other ones were um, good. I I just think this no, one was, no, no. I just think this one was really I, good. That's all. I hope, I hope
2: with every film our, our legs are stretching more and more and getting better and better. I, I don't I don't want to go backwards. Yep. <laughs> but nope. I always the tape recorder stuff always looked creepy to me. Like the, the old recorders and tapes they they just look creepy to me.
0: Yep. <laughs> I don't they know do. why. Do you ever see that movie Session 9? <laughs> Uh-huh. that movie yeah. freaked me out even though it didn't look great <laughs> it's like yeah. that whole thing about uh multiple personalities on that tape was just like so scary
2: yeah yeah uh, It's so i mean sometimes you're you're in a box and you just have to come up with creative ways to entertain or, or tell the story and keep it moving right I mean, yeah you can't have a tape recorder going on for eight minutes but <laughs> what else can we do you know so yeah um, Sometimes when you're limited, you're you, you just got to push outside the box and come up with more creative ways. That,
0: as a filmmaker, you know, as well, you know, you just you have no money, what do you do? <laughs> yep, yep. Think outside the box. That's so, what you do. Absolutely. Patty, did you see Session 9?
1: <laughs> he laughs because I always say to him, you know, I Kenny, I don't watch very much TV. <laughs> I said
0: when I do movie references, it's for our audience, not for her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I was excited for him because when you said you saw it, that's the first time anybody's ever said that to him. <laughs>
0: Yay!
2: Yeah, I know which one. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because my girlfriend's the same way. If I do a movie reference, I have to explain it later what I meant.
0: Well, are <laughs> so, you going to so go explaining
2: back? Explaining the Exorcism stuff was a nightmare. What's up?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to go back to narrative? Do you think, or do you think you're going to stick with Doc?
2: Uh, I have one more Doc Emmy uh, that we're working on right now. It's actually Mountain Devil too. Uh, The Search for Jane Clement, which Jane Clement was uh, basically based on a book called The Creature from 1979, which is really like a diary of a guy's experience with a Bigfoot at his cabin. And actually, when I did the first Mountain Devil, I wanted to do it on this book, but I could never get enough information. Well, I found the publisher. I found everything I needed to. And I'm like, I got to do this story because I think it's just it's it's an uplifting kind of story. And I I really need something more uplifting this time (laughs) because the last one didn't end. So this is just like a, a good heartfelt Bigfoot story, and it's not about Bigfoot killing people or anything like that. So did they? I really felt like uh, it's 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 a touching tale at the end. It really <laughs> is. And uh, what here's the thing though? It's weird is that um, there's people. It, it could be fiction or nonfiction. No one knows for a fact because the writer is a ghost writer, and trying to and that's what the documentary is about. Us trying to find out who the real author was. Um, mm-hmm but it, it's just a, an uplifting story and i just that's something i need to do right now is something a little bit more <laughs> away from the demonic <laughs> sounds like it yeah yeah, yeah. if we have we so, never
0: have like two demonic episodes in a row we just kind of go months without having them happen
2: <laughs> we even talked about doing a ghost a ghost hunt documentary and i'm like no no, I just I just need a <laughs> break from it all. Uh-huh.
1: But see, ghost time documentaries can be uplifting because not, not all ghost stories are bad. Sometimes That's they're true. amazing. You know, the Ben Carter story was a really cool story because it started as a ghost story and it ended up changing history and and his family found out where he was at and it it was it was an uplifting story. So not all ghost stories are bad.
2: That's true. Very true. Um, I'll ponder it. I don't know. I don't know. I just know one more documentary for now and then then we'll see. I might actually go back to a narrative after that just to kind of change, change, change the space up, you know, can't get, you stay in one spot for too long, you grow roots. So you have to try something different, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Maybe we'll end up working together sometime. (laughs) That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Um, But uh,
2: I don't recommend it to everyone to be chasing like exorcism stuff or chasing stories about it or out playing with that stuff or Ouija boards I mean uh, uh, a lot of people asked about it and I said I wouldn't play with a Ouija board I wouldn't play with stuff you don't know about you know and uh, that's something that always worried me after finishing it because people were like oh we gotta go try this or that I'm like no no, no. I mean go to church
1: <laughs> yeah I agree church, you know? and, and that's one of the things that um, reasons I wanted to talk to you about it is because you had such a your story is so illustrative of what happens, and I get the people who mess with the Ouija board, and then the house is really badly haunted, or their lives are destroyed, and people don't realize that messing with stuff you don't know is um, – it can lead you to some really, really dark and bad places, so – And I don't do it lightly. People get a calling to do that kind of stuff. You know, you talk to all of those priests, and I'll bet you know there's not one of them that said when I was 10 years old I wanted to be an exorcist. They kind of get pushed into it. Yeah. And that's how it works. And there's only people, there's some people that are pushed into it, and that's their calling in life. And so God protects them. But I've seen some people's lives completely destroyed by this stuff. So the fact that you took it so seriously, you presented it the way you did, was so um uplifting to me, and I was I was so – I can't even begin to tell you how impressed I am. Even if I try for 20 years, I don't think I could tell you because <laughs> I've not seen it done so well. I've seen a lot you. of documentaries, Thank but you did awesome. You really did do. Thank,
2: Thank you. It's just crazy that I had a, a, a chance to interview a, a medium. I, I threw a medium in there just to throw things off because I really thought she would have a, a different – I thought she'd be on point with everyone else, but when I interviewed her, she did a 180, And she was the only one who never really believed in this stuff. She's like, no, I don't really believe it. I'm like, oh my God, of all people, I thought you'd be the one telling me uh, the most. And she didn't.
1: I think it depends on the person because some people just embrace it. And you know, if you're not a challenge to it, it lets you alone. Mm. It's just that simple.
2: She she was a very bright, light individual. You can feel her positive energy. So I don't think they mess with her too much.
1: And like I said, not everybody has that calling. True, true. You know, so if it's not your calling, it's just not your calling. I've had people who've wanted to do this stuff, but I don't know how that works, you know, and people that fall into it. Most people who do it, they fall into it and they find out that they actually have a calling for it. Um, and I just, you know, I I've, even like Father Malachi Martin, who is probably the most renowned exorcist of the 20th century, you know, he, he would talk in his writings about how it was not what he chose. It wasn't the path he wanted to be on, but God chose that path for him. And so there he went.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's- and that's a lot of points. Priests said to me, we're like, they didn't want to do a lot of these exorcisms. They were kind of just forced into it. Like they had no more. These people had nowhere else to go. So they just yep. did what they could.
1: I, I get that. I, it's, when I end up in those cases, that's where I always end up with. But if you say no, Patty, then what's left?
0: exactly yeah but to go to go back to what you were saying about how people they they keep thinking that this is entertainment and when we did patty's episode like i made sure that i i gave like a disclaimer in the beginning like this is not for your entertainment if you take it that way that's on you but this Mm -hmm. is for those struggling and you know all that stuff and um people just don't like you go like we're on twitter now and you go on Twitter and the whole paranormal community, everyone's sharing each other and whatever. But it's these people that are like, watch as I call these evil spirits and mess with them and like all this other stuff and provoke them. I'm the provoker. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to follow you, dude. You know, like it's just people do it without any regard for the realism of it. It's just something you see in movies. It could never happen to me. Well, I got a bridge to sell you, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm there, there's some ghost.
0: Uh, there's, ahead, there's some right. ghost adventure guys that do that stuff and I, yeah. I shake
2: my head.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I'm 56 years old. I've had a lifetime of learning and I still don't know anything to be honest. Um, and yeah, the provoking and all of that, I, I've never understood it. I would never go into somebody's home and scream at them and expect a good result,
0: but they, they don't want, want a good it, result. They, they want to be attacked on camera because that gets views, right?
1: But it's just, it's, it's just disrespectful. It's just
0: responsibility that most of these programs don't have. So The
2: ramifications are they're, they're not thinking ahead of what what could come down the road. I mean, it doesn't have to be today or tomorrow. The thing could come back later.
1: And the other thing is they don't care in a lot of respects because they walk away and they leave the families in those situations. And I've actually cleaned up some of those messes for groups that did that and stuff like that where they they walked out and they got their five minutes of really cool evp but they left the family with something that was now very agitated and the family is scared
2: yeah yeah and and, uh what what i really learned through it too is that demonic cases or infant stations in a house is a little different than a haunting and uh i never realized that um you you probably seen more of a Patty, than, than most. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe can describe what the difference really is between like, a demonic infestation and a haunting.
1: Well, a haunting is usually a human being who was once alive, who is now dead, who is now interacting in the house. Most often, it's somebody who lived in the house. Um, and so they move things around and they you have footsteps and sightings and stuff like that but an infestation is actually um a demon and or group of small demons and demons have um like a power structure so they'd be very far down on the class level and they are actually infesting kind of like rats infesting the house and creating fear and discord through their actions and their actions are calculated to undermine your faith and to create fear because that feeds them. And as you get more frightened and more vulnerable, then higher level demons will step in and they'll take over until they get to the place where it can be, um, an obsession and then from obsession into possession. And the ultimate goal from set out for these demons is that they're going to wear you down spiritually and physically so that you can become possessed. And that's what they're doing in that house.
2: Yeah. It's not a good time.
1: No. <laughs> no it's, it's all funny. about some, fear.
2: Some people ask me, why didn't you ever interview anyone that was possessed? I said, I would never want anyone to relive that. And most of them don't remember it anyway.
1: No, and they don't. And one of the things that's um, interesting is they have absolutely no memory. If you talk to the the young man, I know of people who know the man who was the um, exorcist case. He has absolutely no memory of anything that occurred during that time period. At least that's what he says to this day.
0: Mm-hmm. So they I don't, don't
2: think I want to remember it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, well that's true. But uh, see, I always wondered, like, okay, when somebody gets pushed aside in their own body, and they're not in the driver's seat anymore. Uh, Are they conscious somewhere else in their body like do they feel like they're in a black space or do they you know like what what is that like being pushed out and what you just said is really interesting because that means they, they just turn off essentially. They don't they don't really reside because like you see shows like Supernatural when something's sharing their body and they're in their own space trapped, you know, something like that. And I always wondered, you know, is that is that what that's like? And they're aware of what's going on. But that's a really fascinating point that you guys just made. I always
2: wonder if it's maybe like a drunk state, you know, that I'm drunk, but blurred. I just don't understand what's going on. I mean, extremely drunk. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think there's that, that maybe that's the better analogy um, because I think they experience it at the time, but after it's over with, I think it's almost a divine intervention that allows them to have that blanket of forgetfulness Mm -hmm. so that they don't have to suffer through that knowledge. Now there are people who never quite get there. Um, There are cases where the person actually just invites the demon back over and over again because they feel uncomfortable without it. Kind of like, um, and a domestic abuse, abuse victim who is so used to being abused that when they're not being abused, they don't know what to do with themselves. And so they go back into abusive relationship after relationship. And there are people that do that, but a person who truly is delivered from demonic, um, oppression tends to not remember much about it.
0: That's weird that that it would want to stick around then if it's like, oh, I'm actually wanted when it want to move on so that they're tortured even more. That's odd. No,
1: because, because they have power in the possession. That's what they want. They want to have that control. And the person, either consciously or unconsciously... Um, gives it to them like I said very much like an abuse victim who seeks out over and over the same type of person that will abuse them the way they they have experienced in the past but then there are other people who you know they have no rhyme or reason whatever it is that set up its hierarchy decided that that person was weak at that moment and they could take them and I think they just knock on a lot of doors and eventually find somebody they have all the time in the world
2: yep well we gotta keep St Michael charms on and tell them stay away.
1: <laughs> yep, it's prayer and faith all the way because words without faith have nothing and that was the I think that was when I said to you that day and and you said, oh my gosh, that's exactly what every one of the ministers, the priests and what have you told me and and it's the truth of it. I, I say it all the time on this podcast. it's about faith. everything's always about faith. It's not about going to church on Sunday, although that's not a bad thing. It's about you having a personal relationship with God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and I think this side of it really should be pushed more than it is at the same time. The awareness isn't there because people want to be hidden from the, the bad, you know. But um, I think I think faith needs to go hand-in-hand hand with this knowledge, and it just doesn't seem to be at the moment.
2: Uh, that's, you know, a lot of the priests said it. We are in a very bad times. I mean, it's ugly. I mean, um, the... Oh drugs and, and uh, the drugs and the, the, the violence and the uh, sexual acts of pornography or over overloading the world was and it's it's all all of them said it's just a very bad time in life but we gotta flip the script and, and look at all the beautiful things that we have given from God and what have you and, right. and uh, I I totally agreed with them but it, I said um, I think right now with everything with the Catholic Church in a bad light, I mean, it, it, uh, the devil seems to be winning. I don't know how you flip it yeah, back. Well, <laughs> I think
0: a lot of people, they have an issue with separating faith from religion. They yeah. they see them as the same thing. So if they're mad at one, then they hate the other. And it sure. just needs to not be seen that way. And I think that's how churches need to paint it. But they won't, obviously. <laughs> so uh, well, And the
1: other thing is that, me- that we have to recognize that men are men and I mean that human beings are human beings Um, and a and this and um, the satanic would not be interested in devouring the church if there wasn't light in that church so it comes after whatever the weak people are within that church structure um, and it could be a Baptist church or a Catholic church, any church. And we need to recognize the difference between the power of the of the structure and the power of a person. At the end of the day, it always is going to boil down to faith. But an individual can, should not be able to bring down or raise up an entire faith. They're just a man. I
2: agree, agree,
0: yeah, I agree.
2: But I think Satan likes uh, likes uh, the media. And if you watch our media so much, it's so ugly
0: anymore. I mean, they tend to,
1: yeah, they focus on the negative almost all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that's really sad.
0: If it bleeds, it leads. That's the rule. Exactly. And it has (laughs) been for a long time. Awful greetings. And
1: that's
0: sad. Sad. so.
1: So, before we leave your video, there was another story you told within the structure of that video, and that was the one about John. And how did you decide to make that piece part of John Ventry, um, his story as part of the video?
2: Um, it was kind of a last minute type thing. Uh, he came out of the blue and said, Are hey, you working on something about demonic um, uh, exorcism stuff? And I said, Yeah. He's like, y- Can you come down to my house? I have stuff going on. I said, All right. So we uh, got in the car the one day I drove down to talk to him and stuff. And I said, why well, don't I, I call one of the priests that I've been working with to come down and help me? And he did. And uh we had he gave us a nice he had some stuff going on, um, and he said it was okay for the priest to kind of bless his house. And ever since then he hasn't had any problems. Right. Um he had, he had some knockings and some bad odors and uh um like really bad odors that aimed at demonic infestation was starting in the house. Um right. he had lightning hit his his gravestone he actually has his gravestone already out on the grave like it's already there <laughs> so right. when go, to go, so i guess lightning hit the stone itself one day and uh started like the, the ground started on fire that's not in the film because there there was a lot of stuff going on at john's place but i i, I only had so much time to kind of get to the point well and a lot of the points he brought up about the aliens i was part of the documentary i'm like i'd really like to hit on and he kind of hit it for me as a you know alien interactions could be demonic we're not sure but uh yeah john had a lot of stuff going on so uh, after the priest did his thing uh, everything he said calmed down so I, I hope that's the end of it for him but um i said you know keep keep going doing the faith and praying and you should be fine
0: i have a question were they having um sleep paralysis in the house um, john, yeah john was a little bit yeah. okay Because a lot of people see those evil aliens and that kind of leads to what you were saying about the demonic aliens, or that's what they really are. We're trying to get Uh, to the bottom on this podcast of what aliens really are.
1: (laughs) Well, good luck, huh? Yeah, right?
0: (laughs) Uh, But John has
1: done a lot of
0: research on them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He did like a 180 on it. This guy was a MUFON director and all kinds of stuff, and he spent a lot of time on this subject.
2: And then he he kind of flipped it completely and said, "No, I I think they're demonic uh, things yeah. coming to see us." Because even at the story about the the one uh, uh, one of his cases where they start saying the prayer of Jesus and whatever, and these aliens backed off and went away. Well, whether or not it's true or not, I don't know. But I mean, I, I felt that was a, a pretty cool point. I've never heard of.
0: Well, prayers are energy also, so that that leads to, that lends itself to what patty was saying about words have power is that your voice is energy so whatever comes out and the intent is going to be what it is even if it's not holy words it could still be you know get out of (laughs) here like that's how they'll take it you know
1: i think that's why folk magic has some power is because for the same reason is that words have power they the the faith behind them propels them and i think that might be it but um i I would like to tell everybody, how do we get a hold of the video? I mean, I got my advanced copy because I knew you, but
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> everybody else needs a copy now. So how do we get it?
2: You can get it on Amazon. You can rent it, download it. Uh, if you want DVD copies, they're at uh, legendhuntersfilms.com. So either place, Amazon or,
0: or website. We'll post that all in the description too.
1: Yeah. It, and I recommend, I do to everybody that they watch this. This was a very powerful piece.
0: Thank you. Thank I you. agree. I agree. I almost died over it. So yeah, better. read. Yes, yeah. That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> it. a powerful Somebody. Case. Somebody <laughs> lost a
0: finger over it too.
1: Poor Dave yeah, lost please. his finger. I love him.
0: <laughs> Although yeah, being life lighted and almost dead—that's that's a little more severe than <laughs> just a finger missing. Not that that's nothing, but.
1: I think that every one of you had really bad scares, and it it just it just was out of nowhere. Carrie was just you know very concerned, obviously, because of the cancer scares and everything. It was yeah. just bad oh, all the way.
0: Oh. Uh, did that yeah. get resolved? Her cancer, yeah, like all yes. of you got resolved pretty much. Yes,
2: good. Yeah. It's just crazy during that whole time
0: frame, you know. Yeah, and was that before or after you did the delivery to the the distributor or whatever?
2: That was right after, like literally a month later. So that's why it was probably lingering still because Carrie and Dave had stuff happen in their house like months later, like black figures walking around, um, knockings. So I don't know if it got tired of me and decided to go mess with them. I don't know. And it's kind of, it went away, but it was like, it came around to say, Hey, we're still here watching. It's just weird. It's just, uh, I don't even know how to describe it.
0: Well, making, uh, making you look over your shoulder. Do you ever see that family guy episode where he's like, I'm going to punch you, but you won't know when. And he's like living in fear. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what it's like. It's like, are they here now? Are they here now? Every single day, probably. Pretty much. So, I was glad they, they moved on to them.
1: But everything's good for all of you now, right?
2: Yeah, it all cleared up and all right. I I just don't think I'll be doing a project like that for quite a while.
1: I can understand why. I, I was really um, surprised when I found out that's the project you were doing and then I thought that, that was very brave of you. And you guys to do that project and i was glad you were with with robin because robin's a phenomenal person and he was definitely an asset every step of the way robin Swope's a phenomenal minister and he's the paranormal pastor
0: yeah he's got that doesn't have that name for no reason you know that's right <laughs> yeah that's interesting In that you that's what he is it, it's crazy you're willing to or you found as many like priests that were willing to be on camera as you did because a lot of them kind of they do these things in secret and you will never know that they've done exorcisms.
2: Yeah. I, I was surprised when they were willing to talk to us. Uh, uh, Father Julio who was the older priest. Uh, I was really surprised. He was okay with us coming in the film and talking to him. And uh, yeah, everyone, they all had stories and they were fine to tell them, which was, you know, uh, I was surprised. Like I thought maybe we'd have to pull our teeth to get them to say anything, but they were like, yeah. no, it's no big deal. Let me just, you know, it is, it's what it is.
0: Yeah, maybe no. they're leaning that way that people need to know about this stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, I think you had a good vibe that told them this was okay. It was a safe place. But, And the fact that you got that word of mouth from one to the other, yeah. you know, that, that was a big help. So Robin started the ball rolling and then, you know, each of them said, well, if this one trusts him, then this one does. And your sincerity, I'm sure, came through.
2: Well, I hope so because they were – I said, well, trust me, this isn't like going to be, I'm, it's not a horror movie. I'm not making you going to look bad, I hope I hope not. Right. <laughs> but it, the biggest ones were the demonologists, getting them on board. They, they uh, I mean, they, they did, but it seemed like once I had one on board, the other ones just kind of fell in place, too.
0: Right. Yeah. Nobody wants to be the first guest. Uh, I found
2: that. They were that. just kind of, <laughs> you know, who are you and your filmmaker? You know, uh, they probably heard it a dozen times, but, you know. True. How right. you? paint me in the light, you know, you'd make us look like idiots or, you know, I, I swore up and down. I said, it's my best intention intentions is to tell your story really.
0: Yeah. that's a good quality yeah. to have as a documentarian.
2: Well, if you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. It's okay. We'll move on. Mm-hmm. And It's just, everyone's cool about it. So
0: cool.
1: Well, I mean, you got a lot of really good doors opened. I was very impressed with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah you did a great job. And I think everybody, everybody should check it out. Take it from me, the film guy. <laughs> I enjoyed it, so you will too. Do it. Cool. Please do it.
2: Please do. Tis the season for uh, stocking stuffers.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> and ghost stories and things of that nature. You know, those are yes. traditionally told in the um, in the winter season.
0: Maybe don't buy the stocking stuffer for children, but. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's not good for little ones, but other other than that, it's a very fascinating. It's riveting. Some of the stuff you you did and the stories that they were told.
2: Yeah, they were really good. I really enjoyed every one of them. So I'm happy with it. Is there a sequel? Probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Not at all, right? Wait, no.
0: is there always a sequel with horror things? <laughs> you know,
2: it's funny. The the one Carl, uh, uh, the demonologist Carl, Carl said to me, uh, "If you ever want to do uh, a sequel, I uh, was I was a, able, I was a he, he practiced satanic worship for years and then he flipped to doing uh exorcisms he's like that'd be a great film for you i'm like i need to take a break
0: <laughs> yeah that would be a great maybe narrative film but i don't know if i'd interview that guy <laughs>
1: yeah
2: yeah it was crazy when i did interview him i did have uh, growling sounds in the audio really yeah and we can never confirm it with it if i didn't get it confirmed by him that's why it wasn't in the film he's like listen i don't want to say it is and Or not, because you could be screwing with it over on your side. I'm not. He's like, I'm not saying you are. He's like, I I can't say yes or no. So I said, well, I'm not going to put it in the film if I'm not getting your okay.
0: Can you send it to us and we can debut it for you?
2: Sure, I can. I can send you it. All right, I'll send it to and you can listen. It's real faint, and you can hear this growling sound the whole time. Him and I were doing this interview. Yeah, I don't know.
1: That's well. I'm not shocked because you know. It's a lot of dark stuff that that they're dealing with.
2: Yeah. But again, audio issues.
0: So. Right. Don't play with Ouija boards, kids. Amen. Take this <laughs> stuff seriously, everybody. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on with us. And we we'll look right, forward to having you on again. Just keep churning out these, these docs and movies and we'll keep having you on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Yeah.
1: Oh, it was fun, Ryan, and I thank you. It was my pleasure. It's truly oh. our pleasure.
0: No, thank you, thank you. We have to catch up soon, Patty.
1: Yes, we do. We need to get together. You're not that far away from me.
0: No, no. Maybe I'll so tag you along. Yeah. Who knows? Please, please do it. Like even to though, hang with you, man. even though I never leave the house because of all this, but <laughs> Chris <laughs> Zimmelduck knows all about that. Chris. <laughs> Chris I,
1: challenged him to go on a ghost hunt, and, he, and he, he's like, "No, I don't think so." He was so. just
0: bugging me in the comments the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no,
1: I just picked up a new one in uh, Maryland.
0: Oh, yeah. Better be a puppy. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, so far it looks like a puppy, but you never know when a puppy turns out to be a big old dog. that will bite (laughs) you. Yep. That's how that works. When
0: it turns out to be Cujo. Yeah.
1: Like you walk in the house and you're thinking, okay, it's just a regular haunting like that one we talked about. And then like two or three hours into it, I'm like, wait a second. There's just way too many pieces that don't make sense.
0: That's why I won't go here. You better. There's no way you can know for sure
1: not till i get there until
0: it's over almost so you can just keep me updated and we'll talk about on the podcast that's all
1: he just hides in his basement and lets me tell the stories yep
0: (laughs) it's a safe zone i get it it's all good (laughs) yeah but i need to reinforce this place i think with something (laughs) what holy
1: water just put holy water and salt around your i
0: don't know i'm just kidding but seriously i I might get my cbd blessed every bottle i get (laughs) I think i might do that since it's going well, in my i told body. you i knew
1: a guy that used to drink holy water before he go on investigations hey He's you like, said that way they can't get in me
0: you said he never got messed with so <laughs> he did i'm going with that <laughs> that's a good idea he had the faith right.
1: in case i don't see you ahead of i'm pro- I probably won't see you before the holidays so happy holidays honey
2: happy holidays to both of you i appreciate it thank you so much yes sir all
0: right all well, right I everyone happy. we will see you later bye
1: bye 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 ryan